Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. Our thanks as ever to Rehoy and Son for their support of the show. Uh, my name is Tony Kerr and with me this week is Gareth Prevo. Hi Tony. And James Fowler. Hello Tony. Uh, you might detect a bit of croakiness in my voice, a bit of illness in the camp, which explains our lateness this week. But you'll be pleased to hear I've not been uh, partying in Belfast like Marcus Rashford. <laughs> I bet you wish you were. <laughs> well, I do, yeah. I've got a genuine, uh, yeah, gen- genuine ailment this week, but battling through. Um, we've got... A fair bit to get into, actually. Uh, we've got a full interview with Andy Roberts, uh, the chair of the GFLM, uh, the League Management Board, um, to talk about some of the uh, the big ideas that are being circulated among Channel Island clubs. Uh, we'll come on to that in a bit and get to your reaction. We'll also uh, check in on what's been happening locally. Uh, and we'll start, though, with Guernsey FC, who are back in action um, on Wednesday night, second uh, midweek game in a row. Um, they didn't have a game, did they, in the end on Saturday because of uh, transport issues. Uh, flight cancellation meant they didn't get to uh, to Marlow. Um, so the last outing, which we haven't reflected on, was, uh, well, it turned out to be uh, quite an eventful one against Reigns Park Velga. Another dramatic ending, as they tend to be at Footslay at the moment. I mean, if you want late goals, it's an ideal place to be. Unfortunately, this time it was late goals against GFC um, just after they'd taken the lead. I mean, to be fair to Reigns Park Vale, they didn't deserve to be 2-1 down after 86 minutes. Um, it was a penalty. Um, Kieran Mahon got blatantly shoved in the back um, and Ross Allen stepped up and converted. And as Tony Vance said at the time, it would have been a bit like, uh, well, he said daylight robbery. I'd have said floodlight robbery, but uh, uh, GFC didn't wouldn't have deserved to win that game. If they would have held on and perhaps got a draw out of it, I, they would probably have earned it because of the defensive effort. But yeah, Rains Park Vale equalised very um, uh, equalised immediately um, through a set piece, and then uh, an absolute screamer at the end from um, one of the Gallagher's. I believe it's Connor Gallagher's uh, cousin who scored that one. There's a lot of the family involved in Rains Park Vale. I think it's his brothers who were manager and the midfielder. But yeah, Jordan Gallagher hit an absolute screamer off the underside of the bar to to win it in deep into injury time. Um, that felt a bit cruel at the time, but on the on the sort of like on the balance of play, I think as Tony Vance admitted, GFC were very good for twenty odd minutes, and then after that they were second best. So um, yeah, it would have been nice to have got something out of that game, but as it turned out, it was probably the the right result. Just a bit unfortunate how it all went down at the end. Yeah, and I suppose after three home wins in a row as well, in a sense there was a little bit of pressure lifted. So you know, it had that run been a bit different, and you can see two mm. goals in the uh, you know an added time to lose a game, you'd be. Um, maybe that was for being slightly different. Um, we've got a full interview actually to come on next week's pod with, uh, well, now GFC's joint record appearance maker, Matt Loring, um, who was involved, of course, on Wednesday night uh, and hoping to be involved this Wednesday night as well. Um, the full interview is to come next week, um, but we recorded that after um, the game against Reigns Park Vale. And here's what he made of that one. Wednesday night uh, in particular was was an eventful one. Is that is that a game that you think kind of typifies... Uh, I suppose some of the things that you do really well, but some of the things that are kind of holding you back still. Yeah, yeah, it's typical us. But um, I mean, we approached the game to win it. And that's honestly, that's how Vance, he said before the game that he wanted us to win the game. Um, and he thought we were good enough to. And I think there is the belief in the side that we can go toe to toe with these teams. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those, I think we need to get better at certain other aspects of the game, um, particularly when we go into winning positions. Um, you know, relax and understand that there's a reason why we've we've got ourselves there and to continue what we're doing. I think, yeah, two parts of the game on Wednesday. First, when we won the lap, I thought, you know, we were fantastic the first 20, 30 minutes. As soon as we went one the lap, it seemed like we were capitulating a little bit and the good things that we were doing, we stopped doing them. And we almost allowed them to get on the ball. And, 
you know, we've got to get out of that habit, I think. And then again, when we went 2-1 up, it looked to me, and I know it's the last three, three or four minutes of the game, but it seemed to me like we sort of as a team decided to defend our own 18-yard box, which again, you're inviting pressure. Um, and as soon as we sort of conceded that corner, I think at one all, I, I me and Tony looked at each other the bet with us sort of, and we know it's going to happen here. So yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, th I think when you can see two goals and literally the last kick of the game to go from winning to losing, you can understand that everyone's disappointed. But, you know, there's a few people, mainly coaching side of it, saying, you know, trying to trying to put the positive spin on it for us and say, you know, you've got to look at the positives that, you know, at the start of the season or whatever, after 10 games, would you really be in this position saying, you know, disappointed that you've just, you've not beaten one of the sides that are looking to get promoted. So, um, but yeah, you can't, you can't not be disappointed in that situation, you know, it's, and particularly we've had it, that's the second time where we've thrown away a winning, winning, you know, a lead in, in, in extra time, which just can't happen. It can't happen in football. And we've done it twice in the same season. So, <laughs> but, but like I said, it's, you know, it's things to learn from, I think. Um, and we've got to look at it as not a fluke as, a, as there's a reason why it's happened to us a couple of times. So. Matt Loring uh, speaking to us there and you can hear um, a full interview with him about his time as a, a green line and uh, football in general on next week's show. So stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, big game on Wednesday night, Gareth um, Chipstead coming to town. Chipstead 17th, just a point ahead of GFC. Yeah, uh, it will be a big game. The, the next two games are against the sides directly above them, both Chipstead and Ashford Town. Um, so, yeah, if GFC could get sort of perhaps four or even six points out of those two, it'd be a really good return. Uh, the one unfortunate thing about the Marlow postponement on Saturday um, is that the suspensions of Tom Dodds and Dave Merris have yet to be ful uh, fulfilled. So um, they're both out for the game against Chipstead, which is a bit of a blow for GFC. But I'm, I think the... Uh, the sort of like the upside to not travelling to Marlow on Saturday was that there are some people who are going to be um, fit to return. Uh, I think Matt Loring would have been out for that one against Marlow, but he's been named in the squad, and um, so Tony Vance has been able to name fifteen for this for this midweek game, which is a a good um, a good strength of squad, and yeah, hopefully they come away with the win. Yeah, seven forty five kickoff on Wednesday night. Welcome back. We'll, of course, uh, reflect on um, well, how those games go on next week's pod. Um, let's talk domestic football, though, uh, guys, because, um, yeah, story on the back page of Tuesday's paper, all about some uh, big ideas uh, to sort of, well, I suppose, lead domestic CI football into the future. Uh, Jim, you've got the, the kind of document that's been circulated by the GFLM um, to Channel Island clubs. Uh, just talk us through what are the sort of standout ideas. So there's two things uh, really that are going to um, uh, command attention. Um, the first is uh, to have a kind of league Marathi, um, you know, a kind of almost a second tier Marathi uh, uh, game. Uh, and the other is to develop a inter-island, a new inter-island club competition along the lines of a kind of Champions League, four teams to qualify from each island uh, to play in two group stages uh, and then to go on to semi-final and final. Well, let's hear what Andy Robert uh, had to say. He joined us in the pod studio here at the Guernsey Press to talk through those ideas and, and uh, the state of local football in general. Andy, welcome to the pod. Great to see you. Thank you. Here we are at the end of January. January's uh, raced past, but yeah, well into the season now. I mean, just just first of all, give us your, your sense from a GFLM perspective of, of how things are, are running along this, this campaign. Well, it's been a bit wet, <laughs> but uh, no... I, other than that, uh, yeah, clearly we've lost a, quite a lot of fixtures and we have to play catch up. Um, but uh, yeah, we're we're, we're trundling along, going through. 
and, and part of the reason we've kind of brought you in uh, at this juncture of the season is because um, the, there's uh, some interesting ideas being sort of circulated um, around Channel Island football uh, related to, well, particularly inter-island, yeah, kind of competitions and, and some, some fresh thinking on those lines. Um, let, let's just start on that. Just give us uh, a bit of an overview of, of kind of what the GFLM have been doing and, and, and what those ideas are. Well, this basically started with a number of conversations towards or just after the last Marathi, um, when we when people were looking at what could be done to try and Im- and improve uh, local football, um, both uh, at, at club level and representative level, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we we considered a few things around and about that. And when I say we, that's board members of GFLM and uh, and perhaps other interested parties. Um, and we've ended up with a few ideas that we've put out there to see uh, to see what comes back. And I think you're quite keen to stress that they are only just ideas at the moment. There's no kind of detail on those, or there's no sort of flesh on the bones, if you like, um, in terms of practicalities. But yeah, r- run us through a kind of a couple of the things that, that are sort of top of the list. Okay, so um, perhaps t- top of the list would be um, a- an interleague uh, fixture between if you like the Prio League representative side and the and the Jersey combination uh, representative side, so uh, that uh, that clearly is um, below the, the for everybody who's playing locally uh, and and not part of the the, the higher echelons um, of uh, Guernsey FC against and and Jersey Bulls at that competition. Clearly, they're at a level quite some way above the local leagues. Um, but uh, adding something into the local game and seeing if uh, if we can work that through, so that would be at first team level. Also looking perhaps at a um, an interinsular over thirty fives, which there seems to be quite a lot of appetite for round and about. Um, and then uh, maybe perhaps a bit further down the line, and a lot more work to be done on it would be um, trying to see if we can get a, an inter island club competition up and running. Now, clearly, there's a lot of work to be done on that, but we, we, we've had some discussions. We put it out there to clubs locally, um, and uh, we wanted to see if there was an appetite for, for these things. There was, so we were charged with going away and finding the detail and talking to uh, you know, officials at association level, which we've done, and they've all had uh, some some information. And uh, again... It's there for ideas to see if there are any stumbling blocks because there's no point doing a lot of work if somebody's going to say, you can't do that because of this. Okay, we haven't had that and uh, we'll just see what comes back. Yeah, and exciting ideas, Andy. I mean, uh, as I've uh, outlined my thoughts on the inter-island game the the, you know, the the second tier Marathi, if you like. I mean, it does raise a couple of pointers with, with you. I mean, I think while the concept is is okay the timing of it is important isn't it if you fit for me it needs to be a game that's played at the other end of the season or something like that and ideally linked with the it start of the interleague systems cup for both islands frankly to, to, to start that run and give ourselves an extra game as a as a as a league team yes, rather, we, we, rather than being put up kind of almost against the Marathi at the end of the season you're, you're right there James and we, and we do need to be very mindful and respectful that uh, there are historic things in place you know everybody loves the Marathi we love going to see Marathis and hopefully we can get come away with the with the win um, but we've got to be mindful um, of other competitions as well um and we don't want anything that we're trying to do here to to impinge on anything uh, of that ilk 
Yeah, and I suppose the other thing is, can, can we make it an event that people can travel to? Because not much point having an inter-island game where where you can't really get spectators there, you know. Oh, the, um, whole, the whole subject of inter-island connectivity. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we, uh, well, I'd argue that leads us on to, uh, to the... Uh, champions, Channel Islands Champions League, if you like, if, if, if I'll call it that. Um, clearly, that idea has some attraction if you had the idea of top four Guernsey, top four Jersey, entering a, you know, a group stage where you play, as, as this has been done in um, cricket over the years, Tony, hasn't it? Um, so, you know, it, it's got some appeal. Uh, I suppose it, that one really is, is a practicalities issue, isn't it? Because if we could click our fingers and do it tomorrow i'm sure that every club and and both leagues would, would want to do it that the issue is it's a lot more difficult than that yes it is and and, and clearly cost is a factor connectivity is a factor but if, but if you can find a way i mean for example if if, if a club wants to go into into the wee way for example guernsey club um they're going to budget for one possibly two trips well that's that's quite a lot of money um if you then uh, take that out to 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 other clubs, etc. Um, you, you're if you can put it into a structure whereby you've talked to the carriers about having all of these fixtures structured and you know going back backwards and forwards. So one team goes down, one team comes back up. It, it, some of the practicalities come become become a little easier. But as you say, we haven't done the details. No, no. Well, I think that's that's an appeal. Uh, also, has been raised from a club's perspective the. The the Jeremy and the Wee Way, you know, long-standing uh, inter-island club competitions, a lot of history there. In the modern day, losing some of its edge, I think a, lo- a lot of people would say, you know, clearly Guernsey haven't hardly registered in the Wee Way in the last decade or so, perhaps even more. The Jeremy has almost become a, a Jersey competition and, and indeed we don't always get the cut back even if we have won it. Um, you know, they those historic competitions... Have some issues, which you know, I guess people still want to qualify for them, and nobody's going to turn their nose up at that opportunity. But um, you know, it, it is perhaps a good time to be looking at that afresh. Well, yeah, those are those your words and 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 thoughts. You know, we, uh, as a, as a club president, as I, as I am, I'm very respectful of the cup competitions that we want to try and enter. It's a long time since bells are trying trying to get into the wee way, but we'd love to have a go at it. You know, there's there's quite a uh, a push and a desire to try and create some challenge for the local footballers that uh, that perhaps hasn't been there. Um, you know, they will try and win the Prio. Okay, yes, but what are they doing after that? Uh, if we can throw in some some extra representative games at that level, then all of a sudden, you know, they're trying to move up 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 the ladder a little bit, uh, and perhaps in preparation, if they do get into you know some more competitive games um, and slightly higher up. Then they might get an appetite to go and, and feed the the Guernsey FC side or the Bull side or whatever it is. And what kind of feedback have you had so far from, I suppose, from the clubs and and from the associations? Well, we, we raised the ideas uh, at a clubs meeting last month and uh, said this is some of the, some ideas that we have. Would you like us to to investigate them further? And the general feeling was yes, please do. Uh, so that's what we've done. We've now reached out to the Guernsey FA and the Jersey FA. Um, and uh, again, no immediate, no, you can't do this kind of thing. But uh, you know, obviously, mindful of everything that is in place and has been in place for a long time, the practicalities and the cost factors and the desire of everybody to get it done. Well, let's just see if it's out there. So, and and uh, you know, 
we're talking about you know next steps on in terms of the football that's available at the moment how happy are you with league structures and and player participation and you know, the the state of guernsey football uh, from a from a league level from a gflm level andy well it 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 is what it is and it seems to be uh, you know competitive quite a lot quite a lot of the time we haven't got everything absolutely right uh, and we, we never will have but we'll continue to look at things and structures we'll take comments and input from from member clubs um, and and see what goes clearly there's uh, you know some some always some thoughts as to around first team second team and third team levels um but uh, and and the youth structures and whether the under 18s play here or there or you know how many games for each particular age group etc um, all of those kind of things are are there because they have been there. They will be there, but could they be changed somewhat? Okay, let's let's have some ideas and we'll and we'll think about them. And numbers coming through are they you know at a real junior level? I mean, you you can't argue the fact that, that you know, Guernsey f- football is still the um, you know the the, the must do sport for the youngster. Well, there certainly seems to be yeah, some good numbers around and about, and some, and some good quality at uh, you know at, at at teenage level as well as as you can see because people are making the steps up quite quicker and perhaps quicker than they thought and other people thought. How do you feel about GFLM as as a whole? Because when the whole thing was launched, what we must be going back eight years or so, something like that. Uh, you know, there was a few doom mongers. It'll never work. Uh, you know, uh, why is the GFA giving it up? But <clears throat> you've been involved, I think, a little bit on and off. But but generally, you've been there for most of that time. Uh, how pleased are you actually that how uh, with how the GFLM is faring and its finances and uh, you know and and uh, how you've t- taken on that responsibility of, of taking on local leagues? Well, you're right, uh, James. You've been there for a little while, um, and uh, yes, it was a challenge because whenever somebody comes up with an idea, wants to do things. So it's always going to be supporters and those who say, "Well, you need to watch out what you're doing here," kind of thing. Um, but I think, by and large, it's been it's been a, a, a success, um, and we want to want to continue that. Um, as always, you need to have people who are committed to the to the roles that they that they want to do, uh, and perhaps some people need some persuasion because they've got good ideas, but maybe they want to get involved at committee level. And say, well, look, come along and 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 have a chat, join in, and and provide uh, let let us have the benefit of your ideas and your thoughts, and we can see if we can work them through. Um, and we and we've been able to do that through through a number of seasons. Uh, clubs are not always the easiest uh, things to control in in local sport. Uh, how, how do you feel your uh, the body's relationship is with the clubs? I, th- I think by and large, by and large, it's very good. Of course, as a as a club official, your main concern is the club that you're you're involved with. But sometimes you you have to look at the bigger picture, um, and I think uh, by and large, we we've got people who are prepared to do that, um, and certainly the conversations that we have around the clubs uh, through club committee officials, etc. Um, I think uh, it, it, it's all good. And obviously your, your attention is very much sort of track focused. Um, we'll talk about Bells in a sec, but in terms of what's going on next door with the, the new stadium at Victoria Avenue, it seems to be really progressing well down there and uh, all being well. Uh, I think they're talking about what, well, we're about a year and a bit away from, from that um, ground becoming or going online, if you like. Uh, what's the sort of view or how much have you spent kind of looked at what the impact will be on, on local football and how that can be utilised by clubs? Well, the impact on local football will be an extension of facilities, So that and that can only be a good thing. Um, 
you know, clearly it would be good for the GFA to have a base and, and for a place for Ireland games to be played. Um, but also with the other pitches and facilities around and about, then there will be uh, added value to the clubs and to the league uh, league itself. Um, so, yeah, we're looking forward to uh, seeing that come to fruition and how the league uh, and clubs can be part of um, using that to the benefit of all. Yeah, there are any discussions yet on, you know, whether Prio games might be staged before or after GFC matches, that kind of thing, or, or sort of new thinking along those lines? Um, we, we haven't got into, into that detail yet. We've started talking to, to the GFA about uh, using uh, using Victoria Avenue and what that might look like. Um, clearly, there are county cup competitions, um, and, uh, you, but with an artificial pitch down there, which might be, you know, it's a football provision at the end of the day for football people. Um, and it would be a, a proper and fit, a good um, facility for for clubs to use. So um, when when we talk about the wet weather, etc., when, when we have to use the likes of, of, of KG5, which have been a fantastic uh, um, a source uh, and facility for us, and to keep club, clubs uh, active and players playing football. Um, but Ricky Avenue will also be part of that as, as well. Got to ask you about Bells as well. Interesting contest in the under-18s the other day. Um, how are things sort of shaping up from, a, from the sort of boardroom at the track? <laughs> um, well, as always, there's challenges round and about. Um, but um, if we look back, um, certainly since since I've been involved with Bells, we started off, uh, to be honest, we were struggling a little bit at senior level. Um, but then that got sorted out, and some youngsters came through, and we had a good a, a good period. Um, and then as times move on, people disappear, and uh, other people go off and do other things like form management companies. Um, but uh, yeah, um, so I've been president of Bells now for seven years, and uh, we've we've managed to get back uh, up and running from a situation where there was just two senior teams to having four senior teams and no minis to having year groups right from reception up to under 13s so the foundations are are, are, are good looking good um so you know a lot of thanks and uh an appreciation go to those who've given their time uh to to work that through um and uh, hopefully we will have some youth teams again not too distant future and we've got good foundations to to strengthen the senior sides Oh, you're right, Andy. You know, your foundations, that minis support is coming really from a lot of your ex-players, isn't it? And and that, you know, people who are no longer putting the shirt on at first team level, but arguably making an even bigger contribution for your, for your next generation. I mean, that, that must be great to keep those guys involved rather than losing them completely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I recall actually now you say that uh, one... There were two people in local football when I joined Bells in the first instance who told me, once a Belgrave, always a Belgrave. So we've just tried to share that on and keep that in place. And uh, yeah, it's worked so far. Who knows, maybe you'll be lifting a, a new Challenge tra- Champions League trophy in, uh, in a few years' time. Um, I just want to ask you about uh, uh, Katie and Anna as well um, and, and the progress that, that's kind of, kind of what we're seeing on the, on the women's side of things. Of course, uh, your daughters, who've, they've uh, taken joint lead of the, the new GFC women's setup. I mean, how, how pleased are you to see them get that opportunity? Well, first and foremost, they are, they are good fo- football players people they you know they've played the game uh, at, at the highest level that they can 
um, and gone through the coaching system. So, yeah, um, on a personal personal basis, very very proud of them, obviously. Um, but uh, you know, if you're looking for somebody to come in and do that role, they're exactly the kind of people that you would want to take it. Um, so yes, they've done well. They've obviously got the Ireland representative side and had, had some work to do in the Ireland games on that front. I'm sure they're looking forward to the next one. And in the meantime, you know they're they're taking on the uh, the GFC women for as many games as they can get. Um, hopefully that will lead to um, you know a, a wider development in in women's football, I and mean, we can get back to a situation where there are you know perhaps clubs available to. Uh, um, put some fixtures together as well. Yeah, how far away do you think we might be from that situation? Obviously, you know, there's, there's been a lot of stop starts, and the, the formation of GFC Women is uh, is a really big boost. But as you say, getting well, clubs involved again. Yeah, um, a lot of credit also goes to the to the Guernsey FA academies who've been bringing these youngsters through um, and and training the girls. So, um, yeah, if that can continue uh, and. To, you know, Kate and Anna work well with the with the with the uh, Ireland setup and the and GFC women enough to attract can, and to continue to attract more players. Then we, we can look at you know, persuading one or two clubs to take some on. Clearly, there are some uh, girls who play at minis level anyway, um, and uh, it's just about having the right people in the right places at the right time. Is that something that the GFM will kind of or can or will look to drive? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, the remit for 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 Guernsey Football League management is 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 football for all development uh, of leagues as much as possible. Thanks, Andy, for coming in and chatting. Uh, okay. We'll look to see. We'll look forward to seeing how the uh, the ideas go down and 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 kind of whether yeah whether you can get them off the ground. Okay. Thank you. Best of luck. Andy Roberts speaking to me and Jim there. Um, yeah, let's just talk through. Well, I, I suppose a bit more about what these ideas potentially mean and, and some of the, the challenges and opportunities they might open up. I mean, Gareth, what, what's what's your sort of take on on what they're trying to do? Um, certainly, in terms of the the club idea, with perhaps developing like, like we've dubbed it a Champions League um, uh, for the Channel Islands, I, I think that gives a bit more, perhaps a bit more stability, a bit more. Uh, appeal to the fact that you know you're going to be playing a couple of jersey sides a season if you get through if you qualify as one of the top four which um you know it, it takes away that uh, that knockout aspect of the jeremy or the wee way and what have you so i think that would that would be appealing um in terms of uh yeah, yeah and effectively you're getting three games for your one trip you have to pay for yes yeah. yeah. so exactly, yeah um minimum Basically, if you if you qualify for the WeWay, you you pay quite a lot of money. I'm sure as a club, I mean, I wouldn't know the exact figures on this, but you pay for one away trip, um, and if you manage to get through that one, which hasn't always hasn't often been the case in recent years, but if you get through that, you're paying a lot for another trip. So um, yeah, this time it's it it is one trip away, which is always nice to know when you're um, when you're sort of planning your season. Um, but also, you'll also be hosting a Jersey side as well, as well as um, having that um, other clash with a with a Guernsey side. So, I think that's probably got more um, going for it than a, a CI knockout, whatever CI knockouts you play in. Myself being um, perhaps more of a cricket correspondent than a football correspondent, it does hark back to the 
to the days of the Channel Island, what we used to call the Channel Island knockout in cricket, but that was over two groups and the top two of each group goes through to the semi-finals and that was a really popular competition and it gave you a good standard of, of competition as well. So uh, whether it proves as popular in, in football is, is yet to be seen, but um, it was certainly seen as a as a, an enhancement of what was on offer in local cricket. Well, at one point from both islands, you had to qualify for it as well, which yeah. really put an edge on it. But the... The obvious thing about that tournament in the summertime was that you qualified for it that year and then you played it in the later summer. Mm. I wonder the issue, perhaps with this Champions League, is what, when are you going to play it in the following domestic season and how are you going to ensure consistency? Because you know, I would say rather like the stranger, you kind of almost want to go bang, bang, bang and get these games played. But just yeah, yeah, to have one game one month and then six weeks later, there's your next group game and all that. Yeah, that's going to have no momentum uh, and I think no or very limited appeal as well you know so somehow fi- scheduling those fixtures is going to be uh, is going to be quite challenging I suspect yeah we touched on it in the interview with Andy I mean there's so much history wrapped up in the Jeremy and the Wee Way in particular but do you feel like there is an opportunity to kind of modernize what what they offer because to me it seems like I mean I've never played in either competition yeah anyway no um no, uh, it does seem like just you know from a from sort of you know, you know covering covering these tournaments, um, it's just quite bitty, quite messy. Obviously, Jersey have, have dominated in recent years or in, in the last few years. It, there's, there's no momentum there. I think the Jeremy and, and the Wee becomes an afterthought. You know, either you haven't won anything, or we're still in that cup. We've got a chance of winning something, or like St Martin's a couple of years ago, hey, we're dominant and we can now do a kind of clean sweep and and you know try to win everything. Um, but you know, otherwise. You know, the the appeal, you know, there's the logistical issue which, which Gareth raised, and also you know, when St Martins did win the Wee Way, it was a midweek victory in April time. They you know took a, a handful of fans, if that. Uh, where, where's the big inter island appeal in that? You know, there just isn't. Uh, and frankly, you know, whatever appeal or interest we used to have in those cups ever since GFC and and you know Jersey kind of whitewashing those competitions that the appeal has largely gone away I mean I've enjoyed watching Jersey teams come over to play us just simply to assess what their club football is like it's a good opportunity to have a look at it and you generally find that you know they are uh, better teams largely better structured better organized they you know play to a real plan and style and, and, and things like that so it's nice to see them play but uh yeah, generally we're on the end of a, of a not if not hiding a defeat so is it not also depressing at the same time it's hard to say as well what club football will like in the will look like in the two islands you know in three five ten years time you know whether guernsey fc ever go down the kind of the jersey reds route of bringing in loads of pros and you know and that happens it remains to be seen but jersey bulls you'd think would be more so the impression I get is that from the outset, that has been the you know that will be the intention, medium long term. Are they not once bitten, twice shy? Well, exactly. about looking in pros. I mean. Well, yeah, exactly. Maybe the rugby picture has, has has changed that ambition slightly, and certainly they haven't done it yet. But you could see a situation where an ambitious Jersey Bulls in a few years is uh, is maybe seventy five percent imports. Well, in which case, then the domestic game in Jersey becomes even stronger and then in fact do the Guernsey clubs have any chance at all yeah I mean the the, the, um, the as Guernsey FC has, has demonstrated over the years you've either got to have an exceptional bunch of players which we did have to go through our first two years of league football and get promoted both times or you've got to buy your way to the, to the title um, because 
simply relying on your homegrown, you know, the competition for promotion with so few places available and such an, an effort by half a dozen clubs every year to get up, how you resist that that challenge and and, and you have the, you know you, you, your best chance of going up is restructuring rather than direct promotion. I think if you haven't got budget to throw at these things, so you know, arguably. I, f- I kind of feel a little bit uh, for, for yeah, only a tiny bit for Jersey Bulls because they are frustrated. They're playing. They are at a level where they could be. They could be playing at a higher level, but they can't get out of their current division because there's always somebody spending more money than them. Let's touch on the interleague Marathi, uh, if you like. Thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I said this at the at the club's meeting. I mean, I don't have a big issue with with a second tier Marathi. I mean, it takes you back to. Uh, the days of Guernsey versus Jersey at rugby, you know, when the, of course, the Sion being a club game. And so there was the inter-insular that was played very much a second tier thing. And indeed in cricket, uh, GCA versus the JCL used to pr- proceed uh, Guernsey against Jersey. And basically that was a, a game that was picked for the guy who happened to be, you know, scoring lots of runs in Division One that season. And, and he would get a look in as opposed to the, you know, the, the regular quality that was always, you know, on show of the, um, for the interventions of the proper. Um, my biggest issue with, with this is the timing of the game because, you know, you put it anywhere around the end of the season and what are we trying to achieve? You know, poor man's Marathi, uh, you know, if it was, say, to take off, you know, and, and be to the detriment of the real Marathi, I think that's an awful position to be in. Uh, you know, I just don't want to see that at all. So, you know, so on that basis, if you're going to play it, you play it kind of September, October time. I mean, arguably, it would serve really well if we were entering an interleague systems cup uh, year. Uh, and as a result, you know, instead of just playing one game and hoping you don't get knocked out, if that team was to be training and assembled for, to play two, three, four games, you know, to, to actually have a, a spell of, 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 of island squad football, then I think that would be an asset. But I really don't want to see, you know, a... a a second tier Marathi put up against the real thing just a couple of weeks either side. The other issue, of course, if you're going to play like in October, is how you're going to get any fans there because you know this competition is for the players, yeah, but it's also for the uh, got to be for the fans, doesn't it? And if you're not going to get any supporters or any chance of a day trip over to Jersey for it, then I, I, I might, I'm slightly concerned at what kind of uh, impact it might have. Yeah, I guess the timing thing as well. You'd rather do it at the end of the season to be able to pick a squad from players who have excelled over the course of the season rather than picking just on sort of previous form. It's interesting either way, really, isn't it? I, I agree with Jim that you wouldn't really want it anywhere near the Marathi in terms of timing. Um, also, I mean, who would be, I'm not sure if something about who would be coaching this. Would it be the Marathi coaches seeing who might possibly get from Premier League into a Marathi squad? No, I, I think that would be, you know, uh, a GFLM-appointed coach. It might be a Premier coach, might be somebody from outside. I mean, the, the last time we were in the Interleague, where it was, um, I think Charlie Pinzard was yeah. was managing the team, you know, from outside of the league structure at, at that time. And I think that that's fair. I mean, it's, it, if you're considering the game as a reward for the best players uh, currently kicking about in, in, in Premier football, then I, I think that that's... That's absolutely fine because you know they're going to go into it against the Dorset League or the Liverpool combination or whatever it is that that, that we've played over the years. So you know, and and they've got a job to do. So to have a warm up match as part of that is, you know, I think that's that's got some real value. But that to me is where the value is. Yeah, the unfortunate thing is we then get drawn against the Jersey combination in the National League systems. 
Yes. <laughs> the warm-up match might as well be the, the first round match as well. Yeah, true. Any danger of a railway Marathi? <laughs> no, I, and to be honest, I mean, there's a Vets Marathi which is being proposed and I, I see that there's some excitement about it. To, I, I can't possibly get excited about it, to be honest. As, as Gareth once said uh, to me, uh, and rightly so, you know, you can tell the... Um, you can tell the ability of a player by how seriously he takes Vets football, you know. Uh, and so, you know, is is Ross Allen going to want to play a Vets Marathi or people like that? Uh, and so, you know, if if it's a game for people who've never played representative football, then I, I could wear it. You know, my chance is gone. But um, yeah, but but there are guys who you know who would enjoy that experience. If it's another cap for guys who've already won 15, 20 Marathi caps, where's the value? You know, and I, you know, I think the vets football at the moment, and some of these proposals to me is kind of confusing the picture. It was engineered initially as fun, keeping people in the game. You know, now we're talking about a vets uh, Upton and stuff like that. I mean, again, you know, let's get more Galactico teams together so we can enjoy thumping people twelve nil in the vets league. To me, that's not what it's about. And it's uh, GFLM that are behind this or the sort of bringing this to the table, if you like. Um, just a, a word on on how that setup has, has, has worked, Jim, over the last sort of several years uh, well, and, and what they're doing now. I congratulate the, those who've been involved in uh, in GFLM. My football administration is a, is a thankless job. Uh, but, you know, given that when they were set up, there was a few doom merchants in the room who were like, you, you know, you'll go bust within a year. It'll never work, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and it has done. And they, you know, they've ticked it out, uh, kept it ticking over, tried to come up with some ideas to uh, to improve things. You know, inarguably, you know, it can always be critical, but football... League football is generally in a pretty good place at the moment. People have got the football that they want. I mean, you can look back to the heyday, and of course, there are lots less people playing organised eleven-a-side football than they were. But that's life, you know. People aren't as as enthused by team sports nowadays as they were thirty, forty years ago, right? So, you know, the 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 state of the youth game is, you know, numbers-wise and talent-wise is, is strong. Um, at senior level, people get the games that they want. The Prio League is competitive. You know, uh, if, if I, I take my hat off to them. I think they've done a decent job. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, let's wrap it up there or just shortly wrap it up. Quick word on what's coming up this weekend and what we've just seen domestically because the Stranger Cup semis are decided. Well, the two sides that sort of needed to win to make sure they progressed last week did exactly that to finish top of their group. So the uh, the Ireland under-18s uh, defeated St Martins 2-1 to top Group A, with St Martins also qualifying for the semis in, in second place. Uh, the Ireland under-18s now go on to play Rovers, who um, lost 3-0 to Vale Reck in, in the Group B sort of table-topping decider, if you like, at Port Swaff. So uh, Reck will play Saints. Um, so yeah, it's, it looks like there's going to be two pretty tasty um, semi-finals, which you wouldn't really want to call. But although the way Vale Rec are going, I think they might, um, they probably arguably favourites to hold on to that trophy. I'm pleased that the 18s got through as well. I think that's uh, you know, another step forward for them. Important, you know, for, for them to play another game. And clearly, you know, they are uh, becoming something of, of a unit. So hopefully uh, that, that will all pay off uh, come Marathi days. Interesting that. 
the goals are basically being scored by the same three players consistently. So I hope they continue to shine. Yeah, good stuff. Well, I think we've got a few weeks to wait for the semis on that front, but we'll be right across them uh, as ever. Uh, back to Premier League action this weekend. Uh, what is it? Bells, Wreck, Alderney Saints, Rangers, Rovers and Sylvans North, the pick of the weekend fixtures. In terms of teams needing to keep winning that I mean that I wouldn't say there's any sort of major standout fixtures as there are to come in in quite quite soon as well because I know that um Breck have got some big games coming up against um the, the other title challenges but you know Wreck, Rovers Saints they all need to keep winning for now so there's some big games to come um and yeah it's uh this weekend you know if the, if any of them are going to be upset I'd, I'd imagine Rangers might fancy their chances against Rovers, possibly at home. That would be a, a decent contest. Otherwise, Saints going out to Alderney, where Alderney have only conceded two goals in three games uh, so far. So yeah, nobody uh, should uh, treat that uh, trip lightly. Well, we'll have reaction to, to what happens on next week's pod. I uh, just want to finish with a quick mention of GFC women who were back in action on Friday night. Um, back in a cup competition, uh, although unfortunately they went out, but just 1-0 uh, the result at Crawley AFC. Um, so that's uh, well three games they've played now. Um, it must be really encouraging though, Jim, to see them you know, going to these games and it, you know, it feels like they're they're sort of already kind of finding a level and, and, and kind of getting a sense of where they're at. Well, I noticed they brought in five new players um, over the, for that game. I mean, not, I don't think that any of them are new players, if you like, to the Guernsey football squad, but, you know, it's to a great extent, it's a numbers game. And in uh, the more people you've got uh, battling for uh, shirts, then I think the, the better off the, uh, uh, the, the, the the game is. I don't know now what the plans are for any future games. I think there was only the, uh, they, I think the New Jersey Cup competition um, and then likely Marathi. So uh, just hope things can pick up a little bit uh, for next season as well. Yeah, we'll catch up with them soon. Um, thanks very much, guys. Thanks as ever to Rehoy and Son for their support of the show. Uh, we'll be back next Monday with another Guernsey Press Football podcast featuring uh, that full interview with Matt Loring. So stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, uh, if you're enjoying what we're doing, the best way uh, to support it is to pick up a copy of the Guernsey Press six days a week where you'll find the very best local sports coverage. And of course, you can subscribe online as well. Um, just head to GuernseyPress.com. Cheers, guys. Oh, 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 oh,